Welcome to Beyond the Lab, a podcast where we talk about people, ideas, and insights in the science industry. So today is pretty special. We have not one, not two, but three people with us here today. They are the people behind a pretty significant movement, not only within the scientific community, but beyond that as well. They are Anthony, Joshua, and Sarah, the fellow founders of 100 Scientists of Malaysia. So hi, guys. Hello. Thanks for having uh, us. Before we dive a little bit into like 100 Scientists of Malaysia, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and what sparked your interest with brain research since you guys are all doing brain research. Yeah, maybe you can start with Anthony, then Joshua, then Sarah. All right, so um, I'm Anthony. Um, I'm actually currently doing a PhD in the University of Nottingham. My, my views uh, particularly looking at stroke survivors who've experienced some kind of sight loss and we're trying to use brain imaging techniques to try to recover any residual function. Um, and yeah, you know, um, I think I'll leave, you know, like how we kind of start this platform up to Josh because, you know, like he saw like the progenitor of this idea. Mm. So um, yeah, handing to you, Josh. Okay. Um, hi, um, I'm Josh. A little bit of my background. Uh, I did my undergraduate degree in psychology and there was this little emphasis in this part of psychology called cognitive neuroscience. So I... Um, the part of neuroscience that I do is really grounded in um, the cognitive processes that we do as humans, basically. Uh, thinking, memory, making decisions, um, how do we um, control our actions and that kind of thing. So what really got me into neuroscience is the idea that um, we could study the brain and infer what would have, what study behavior and infer what happens in the brain. Uh, and, and the other way around as well. Um, yeah, so that's basically a little bit about my work. Um, mm-hmm. And about 100 scientists. Should we follow on a bit later and let Sarah yeah, we'll do follow on a bit later. Maybe, yeah, Sarah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Hi, guys. Um, so I'm currently a third-year PhD student at the University of Nottingham, UK. I look at intranasal delivery of a hormone known as oxytocin. Um, you might kind of infamously dub, it's infamously known as the love hormone because it's released when you cuddle and stuff. Um, but it's also a responsible for a lot more different things, for example, uh, modulating social behavior. So I'm looking at ways to improve um, oxytocin delivery to the brain for potential treatment of neurodevelopmental diseases. Um, and I guess my interest in neuroscience it isn't really a like pop moment. I did my bachelor's degree in biomedical science and mm-hmm. um, we had the freedom to choose from a lot of modules and stuff like that. So I kind of veered towards the whole neuroscience, um, psychiatric, psychological kind of diseases. And I found that really interesting, which is why I'm doing a PhD in this area at the moment. Okay, great. So the next question would be, just for context for people who don't really know what SOM is, so what is 100 Scientists of Malaysia? Anybody want to take it? (laughs) You want to take the first part, Sarah? Yes. um, Okay. Maybe we can go into like how the idea came up. Yep, sure. And I think Josh is the one that came up with the idea. He he has a very interesting way of how he came up with the idea. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, um, basically, um, I I mean, I've been thinking about this talk uh, issue about like in our careers, what's going to happen next um, and all that. So there's, um, a lot of thoughts about the issue on STEM visibility. So the visibility of science and fields related to this um, mm-hmm. in the general public sphere in Malaysia. 
it's not just a problem that happens in Malaysia, it happens everywhere as well. Like that uptake of STEM is not that high overall. And there's this general mistrust of science anyways, um, it, wherever you go. Um, so this was something that was ringing in my head as I, um, as they would think this is an interest. The, story, the, the interesting story that they think um, that I should share is that I came up with this idea while set in a sauna. So basically in the sauna, <laughs> I was alone. I had nothing to do. I just kept thinking, ruminating. And then um, the idea came, right? Why don't we do something about it? Right? Why don't we do something about this issue of stand visibility? It's something that um, is faced by a, a lot of us. Um, personally, we have a stick in it. And yeah, I pitched the I after I came home from the sauna uh, at uni, uh, I pitched the ideas to Sarah and um, Anthony. And uh, yep, it seems to be uh, something that they took well and the rest, they say, is history. Okay. <laughs> So when George brought up the idea, it really resonated with me. Like, um, I think, you know, growing up, you know, it's, science was never really like a, even a choice because um, yeah. you, don't, you don't have role models to look up to in Malaysia. And it's right. like, whenever you think of scientists, you know, the, the familiar faces that come out is Newton, um, Einstein. But, you know, you don't think about a Malaysian scientists. Mm. Well, I mean, that's not really true, right? Because there are actually Malaysian scientists around. It just... For some reason, you know, we're not even aware of them. And that's kind of sad, you know, like um, it kind of like completely closes off this whole sector in your um, choice of career. So when Josh, you know, talked about this idea of starting this uh, platform, it, you know, it sounds amazing, you know, like it's finally giving sort of a voice to people who have so much to contribute to society and science. Yeah, so ultimately the, the real, the Three main aims we would like to say with 100 SOM is really the first one is to increase the visibility of uh, Malaysian researchers in STEM. Um, the second is to showcase the diversity in STEM because a lot of us are brought up to know medicine, pharmacy, engineering, um, but there's so many more subjects out there. And even within those three yeah. subjects, it's really, really diverse. Um, and obviously the last one is really just to engage the public with STEM, like not be intimidated by STEM. Um, encourage the younger generation to maybe pursue STEM in the future and yeah. Mm. So I like the part where you say you want to increase the visibility and you want to engage the public, right? I think that's important part and I'll come back to that right in a bit. So I just want to know, right, since you guys are, I'm just curious for this, since you guys are all in the same background, is it hard working together or is it easier? How's your like team dynamics in that sense? Because when you, when you have like, people from the same background, right, working together, you guys like, always think the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, I, I, I wouldn't say that we come from the same backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, academically, we came from different parts. Anthony and myself, um, we come from a more similar academic background. We did an undergrad psycho a degree in psychology. But uh, we were interested in very different aspects of psychology. Um, he was interested in vision. I was interested in cognition. Um, and Sarah came from a um, different academic background totally um, in, in biomed. Um, so even then, our perspectives are quite different. And yeah. as we grew um, to know each other, we, we have fairly different modes of uh, working and different strengths and weaknesses as well. Uh, so for example, I am more of the idea generating person. Um, I come up with 
crazy, crazy ideas and then I throw them out and then <laughs> uh, see whether half of them get taken up or not and things like that. Um, and Anthony is more on the creative side of things. He uh, is really good at in illustration. He actually picked up um, graphic illustrations um, for this project, I think. Mm -hmm. you, you did, I think yeah. he didn't have yeah, other experiences. I first started with graphic design. Wow, wow, okay, that's cool. And yeah. so, so Sarah is, we've learned very particularly capable in uh, social media <laughs> engagement. Um, is, she yeah. knows all the functions in Instagram that I would have no idea. Uh, uh, and I just, whoa, I didn't know Instagram can do this. And uh, it seems like she's one of the first people who uh, can, um, is really good at what she does in this aspect very naturally. So I guess it fit together, right? We, we mm -hmm. so happen yeah. to have a team of just three people uh, working in close proximity uh, with very, very, very varied strengths, I would say, uh, mm -hmm. and varied weaknesses. And because we are housemates, we kind of also Oh, learned, damn, I did not know that. Um, yeah. I think it helped cool, cool, that we lived together for a year <laughs> yeah. before cool, 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 Josh cool. came to us with this idea. So we kind of already knew each <laughs> of our personalities. It's kind of like a mini office. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so going back to your aim, right, to increase the visibility of Malaysians, STEM scientists, right? Why do you think that's the case? Like, what do you think causes the visibility for all these STEM subjects to be lower? Why is there no uptake from the general public? So I think uh, with, you know, science in Malaysia or like STEM, um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of our culture and society doesn't really value it, you know. It's sort of, we've always, you know, looked to the, to look towards the West to guide us in like, you know, technology and science. And I think... Um, you know, it's that's a really old idea. It was true in the past, but I think you know, Asia especially has grown, taken huge strides in like progress, and we shouldn't keep relying on the West to kind of guide us. And it, it most of the time is incorrect because you know we have cultural differences, we have differences in how people react, people behave. So yep. I don't think it's a good idea to for us to keep looking to the West. So I think because the value is not placed in science, you know. Um, we tend not to talk about science. We tend not to think of people going to science as a great thing. Whereas, you know, compared to other countries, this they must be like, oh, wow, you're a professor. You know, that's a big thing. Whereas mm. in Malaysia, they're like, okay, it's, uh, it's yeah, a job. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think personally, like when I was younger, I kind of liked science, but mm -hmm. this was quite a intimidating word. Like it still is now. Like I find it quite hard to describe myself as a scientist yeah. um, in many ways. But I think we are brought up to think, especially in Asia maybe, we're brought up to think that scientists are usually white and male or and mm -hmm. or male. So you, you, you can't really imagine someone like you or me um, being called a scientist. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what 100SOM really um, wants to play on, I think, just to show pe other people that despite that you, someone looking like you can be called a scientist and be achieving like great things. Um, yeah, and I think, when it comes to like reading papers as well, when I look at the names, because it's like initials, and never it always automatically goes to oh that guy must it must be a guy who wrote that like it must be a yeah. European guy that wrote that like you never think like oh it might be an Asian female in Malaysia or Singapore that wrote that and I think that's the kind of perspective that we kind of have in us automatically because of the way we are brought up and I think as we need to start changing maybe our perspective and like opening up and thinking a bit outside the box like there are a lot more capable people out there we just haven't heard of them and that's what we're trying to do like make people hear these mm. voices understand soon to come Wong at all 2021 
<laughs> I'm waiting for that day, yes. Another question would be, so you mentioned that you want people to take up science, right? And you want people to understand science, but, but people coming from personal experience and pe- friends like mine as well, once we got our science degree, there's mm-hmm. not much opportunities out there. So when I applied, and a lot of my friends can attest to this as well, it's either sales or you know, laboratory work, which is very mundane. How do you think like, STEM students can contribute to this field despite the lack of opportunities? Say a few words on that. So yeah. the, if you look at the entire scientific ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, all of us are science consumers. We consume scientific information. We consume the technology. Um, and only a very limited amount of people are actually science producers. Mm. So the majority of the market should be, um, I mean, if it's in a healthy system, it should be the um, science consumers. So increasing um, knowledge um, and access to this kind of information, being able to use this information, not just to produce it, uh, is key. So even if you didn't uh, go on to work in the what we call traditionally, the people would be directly associated with creating the science, you are mm. still consuming the science and there, are, mm. there should be jobs created um, where these kind of skills are very much sought after. And what we like to think at in through 100 scientists and, and all this is these are opportunities are fairly scarce. So you need to be able to be willing to adapt and go seek out some opportunities. And when opportunities are not there, we like to think that behind every opportunity that is offered to someone, there's a creator of that opportunity. So mm. if opportunities are not there, take initiative and somewhat create the opportunity so that for yourself and others that follow along, there is an opportunity to work in STEM. And this sometimes means that in terms of training um, for people who are early on in the um, careers or what, 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 what they call early career researchers and whatnot. If training is not available in Malaysia, maybe look further afield, be somewhat um, willing to step out of your comfort zone, go to a country yeah. where um, doesn't speak the same language or, or whatnot. Um, maybe if you're willing, put that aside and then explore. Um, mm. it's, it's, no, so the traditional countries like, that people look towards, UK, Germany and whatnot, some of them are more accessible. Um, for example, in Germany, higher education is somewhat... Um, it, they, they, they don't put um, funding as something that um, creates barriers to access for students. Um, so if you're willing to go, go and tap into that field, um, you can go to Germany um, or places, other European countries um, with a scholarship. Um, Mm. to do a PhD or whatnot. So like following on from what Josh said as well, like, um, like I, I acknowledge what you're saying because for example, yeah. when I was looking to go home as well, um, the only way you can get into research back home in Malaysia really is to stay in academia and obviously mm-hmm. academia might not be for everyone but like you said, industry is mostly sales, marketing or they do generic yeah. pharmaceutical kind of stuff so no one is creating the opportunity back home mm. so at some point I guess our generation, starting from our generation, we really have to sit down and think like, okay, I have to stop waiting for people to create opportunities for us. We have to be the one that is the one driving the change now. So I think there's, I think one example that of this girl that I interviewed for 100 SOM, I think it's quite a few months back now. Her name is Husna. So she 
is in second or third year of undergrad. But what she did was she found a loophole in like a, a problem in one of like the biodegradable kind of material, mm-hmm. creating plastics and stuff like that. Um, so what she did was she found this area that could be improved on and she kind of took the initiative to approach her own supervisors. The supervisor couldn't provide her with like the space to create her own experiments um, and stuff to do that mm-hmm. she needed. So she approached like people from, I think it was UM, that she internship with. She went and find like opportunities overseas, like internship programs, business programs on like how to kind of make this into a career. And it was really, really hard like when she was telling me about it. But it was also so inspiring at the same time because she was only, what, second year of undergrad, but she took oh, the wow. initiative to... Yeah, go look for all this stuff. She did all the experiments by herself. She funded her own experiments as well. She did like crowdfunding, went into like science competition, find her own money to do. And she was telling me like how many days she spent like really stressing out and crying because like she had to balance yeah. everything because um, she's involved in the council movement as well and a lot of mm-hmm. other extracurricular things. And But I think she's in a very good place now. She's, she got recognized by a lot of different awards and she is kind of, trying to commercialize the item right now. So I think that's the kind of mindset that most of us probably need to have in us that mm. it's not really impossible, but it's more of like you really have to push yourself and step out of your comfort zone and stop waiting for people to take charge. Like instead, be the one that take charge. Mm. So that's a good point because it's all about creating opportunities when opportunity is not there, right? But, but I just want to get your opinion on this because in academia in Malaysia, right? All we learn in biotech is really just biotech. There's no complementary skills. So what, what other skills do you think STEM students should take up so that we can create our own opportunities out there? So what I think that's really lacking, and uh, mm-hmm. this is you know, like quite present in Malaysia, but also in other countries, is science yeah. communication. I think a lot of people do struggle uh, with you know, explaining their science to someone who has yeah, no definitely. idea you know, mm-hmm. of you. And this is such a core skill that um, it's completely overlooked. Um, yes, it's important to understand the jargons, the technical terms, to talk to your peers and colleagues, but if you cannot explain your science well, you're going to cut out so many opportunities to work with you know, industry workers, you know, the general, general public, because what is the point of science? The point of science is for you to discover knowledge and help use it to contribute to society. So when you, you miss out the complete second half of it, you know, it really limits how, where, how far your science can go. So I think um, there are a lot of movements out there trying to, you know, like build up science communication in Malaysia and sort of bring, like showing people there is so much value in this. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, moving forward, I, I think universities and institutions in Malaysia need to recognize how important to build this in the syllabus. How do you build students who are interested in science to learn how to explain their science, you know, like in a fun and engaging way? Critical thinking is critical thinking, I would say. It's also very important. Mm. Like, I think maybe, I, I can't speak for the way Malaysia maybe um, conducts their, their academic kind of like undergrad, how, how the undergrads go about their usual lifestyle. But I guess we are used to being spoon-fed a lot. Like, we're just used yeah, to like getting the, the lecture notes and then just learning what's in the lecture notes and memorizing that for exams, apply it and then forget and then repeat. <laughs> But I think that's my whole degree life. <laughs> I think that's a lot. That's, yeah, that's for a lot of us. That's what we do. But we never stop and think like, oh, how can I apply maybe this critical thinking to outside my life or like whatever I do outside of my life, apply mm. it to my academia kind of lifestyle as well. Like it's not just don't compartmentalize each 
every bit of your life into like their small boxes, but really kind of open your perspective and look at the greater picture. Like if you've been through a lot in life, you kind of grow a lot as well. And you can kind of apply that to what you do in the lab as well. Like you can use that and be like, oh, if this experiment isn't working, let me try and take another approach because that's what I did in life as well. Like this wasn't working for me. I had to take another route. So let's do it for my experiment as well. And that kind of, well, yeah, that kind of thinking really, I think it's really needed. And it's something that I myself personally am still learning, but I think it's something that's really, some, everyone should be aware of. That's great. Joshua, anything to add or? I, I would say it's, um, so the, the tertiary education, not just in Malaysia, I think in, in UK and um, a lot of other places as well, it's really about this, like how you want to sh shape and mold your, your university experience as well. So there's a lot of things that even within your own academic field, right, you can do to add value on and shape it in a way that um, how you like it. There is space somewhat. So for example, if there is a substantial um, holiday break or whatnot, and then a, um, a member, member of the faculty is um, inviting internships, um, go seek out something that you enjoy, that you possibly mm -hmm. are interested in. Um, find and, and you acquire skills that are not, maybe not typically taught within your degree subject. For example, um, some coding skills or like some, some more tangible skills like um, um, creating websites and whatnot. All, all these things yeah. gradually add up to your skill set. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, these are what they uh, becomes the, the more tangible trans, transferable skills that are just um, if you, if you like it, develop it is what I'm trying to say. Like if, mm -hmm. if there is something that you, you, you are interested in, and it add value, adds value to your career, um, go ahead and pursue it because everything will add value. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, Just one more thing to add to that. I think yeah. also um, sort of experience from the PhD is that, and I think science also helps this, is that you realize that you can basically learn anything you want. And I think in Malaysia, people often feel like they're stuck in this box. If I pick this degree, I am forever an accountant, which you know is not true. No one wants to be an accountant forever. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to realize that because of the internet, you can basically learn almost anything to like to some level. And this means that, especially if you're interested in science, you can also learn that through the internet, you know, and there are a lot of free options here. You don't have to pay for any of them as yeah. long as you can search for it. So. I think it's just also realizing that um, the structure in which how we think about, okay, I want to be in science, you know, I need to do a degree in everything in the university, be a professor. That's not the only route. There are so many other routes. There are so many other ways to contribute. Um, and yeah, just having an open mind to, you know, like, and use, like, use whatever resource that come by to try to get to where you want to go. That's good. Really a lot of lessons to take away from here and very, very valid points. But Let's go back to 100 SOM for, for a minute. What has been your proudest achievement with 100 SOM? I think it's just like making sure we actually got this far. Because I remember like in the very beginning when Josh was telling us, you were like, Josh had like really, really big dreams. He was like, mm -hmm. Anthony is always like, What's, what, are we going to commercialize this? Are we going to make this in the business? Like how are we going to, what are we going to do once we reach the 100? And then I think me and maybe Josh, you were like, let's just see if we can even like get past 10. Can we even find You're like 7,000 now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are like at 80, 83, I think. Yeah, we're going strong. Followers, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that was the biggest surprise. We really, really didn't expect mm -hmm. the kind of support. Like, even the beginning, 
we were like not sure if we could get that many scientists, not sure if we, anyone would actually want to speak to us, not sure if we actually had the audience for it. So we tested the waters with like our own profiles and it wasn't anything science-y, it was just like, like a mm. teaser for what's going to come. Um, and surprisingly, like ours took off. Like I remember mine reached like, I don't know, quite a big number and I was like, oh, actually people might want to be, mm -hmm. people might be interested, people want to listen to us and then we kind of just rolled from there and it's, it's gotten quite big. I'm very proud it of is. us and everything that's happened. It's amazing. Happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about you too, Joshua Anthony? I think uh, one thing that was uh, really, that took me by surprise was that, you know, in, our, in one of our vision, you know, it's kind of like increasing the visibility. And mm -hmm. I think, funny enough, through this project, I come to realize there are so many more different fields of science that done in Malaysia that I'm not aware of. And it's sort of like a learning moment for me, you know, personally. Like, um, what I thought was the scope of science was so much bigger than I ever could imagine. And just working through this, you know, talking to different people about it, just realize it's so dynamic, you know, the science um, community in Malaysia. And yeah, like, you know, it's, it's just so amazing, you know, like I we were hoping that this platform was there to allow this, but sort of by working with it, you know, it kind of taught me a lesson. Yeah, most of what I'm um, quite proud of this project has been said by um, Anthony and um, Sarah. Mm. Um, I guess the other aspect that was um, very important to us was the sense of like, we've built a community around us, like even among the people we've interviewed and, and whatnot, um, people seem to know each other now, like mm -hmm. they might be in some somewhat closely related fields or like um, fields that are, might have transdisciplinary potential. People are talking to each other. Uh, people mm -hmm. are sharing their networks. Uh, Everyone's sharing... following each other on Twitter. Like, oh, that kind wow. of stuff. Wow. Everything a community. Kind of... <laughs> yeah, so... Mm. It's, it's really nice. It's like, it's, you, if you go, say, for example, um, if we, we live in the UK, right? So, and then mm -hmm. we, we kind of have a, a network of researchers scattered around the UK. And then when we go back to, to Malaysia, there's, uh, in every city, you, if you really wanted to, you can, you can come and chill for coffee. Uh, and then there will be people in Penang, there will be people in mm. uh, KL, uh, in Johor, um, that you can sit down and talk science and, you know, share opportunities. This is, this is something that um, wasn't something that we intentionally thought of mm. doing, but it became apparent that this is a very, one, a very important aspect that we are trying to cultivate. So you guys have interviewed probably, I don't know how many people, but what story has stuck with, with you the most? Mm. We have interviewed any? quite a lot of people among the three of us, but I think like every story is kind of important in its own way. So like, you can't really choose favorites. I I I think yeah, they're all <laughs> really inspiring. Yeah, they're all really inspiring in different ways. Like, and you get to know so many different personalities and like the struggles that everyone went through to reach where they are. There is kind of like a common theme to everyone. Everyone had their own struggles. Everyone had to push themselves out of the comfort zone and reach where they are. But each of their struggles are obviously very different. But I think we could we really learn from each story. I I mean. Yeah, I think all of us can say the same. So yeah, I don't think we have a favorite story <laughs> per se. That's all yeah. right. We love when all of them. We, we were worried that every story would kind of sound the same. And that was a really big worry, you know, like can we even sustain it to 100? But funny enough, you know, even though there's common themes across stories, they each have their own unique character to it because I think, you know, because of how we write a story. First, we write about your signs, then behind the signs and, you know, about who you are. 
I think that gives it sort of this uniqueness that, you know, like it's genuine, it's, uh, it's sincere, and it's inspiring. And I think that's why, I don't know, I can't pick a favorite. Like, it's, I think each story, you know, resonates some, yeah. like a different kind of feeling with me. So, no favorites. Sorry, just out of topic a little bit. How many people have you guys actually interviewed? Posted over 80, right? Oh, yeah, just okay. once that I posted, that's, and that's, then that's huge. Yeah, we, will, we, mm. we still have a bank um, of yeah. people. Um, mm. Close to 100, maybe, in our drive, probably. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, we'll, I think we're like short of time a little bit, but, but take your time with this. So, what's next for 100 Sunday of Malaysia? What's the ultimate goal and what, what's next? Yeah. World, World domination. domination. <laughs> uh, are you gonna expand the UK? Go expand the US? <laughs> I mean, yeah. definitely thinking of doing new things. Um, we're gonna keep our story because I think that's a huge part of our social media. And yeah. you know, I'm big on the social media aspect of things, like keep our presence, keep our followers. Um, but at the same time, we are also looking into expanding and doing more physical events and say so. COVID obviously didn't help the situation. We had a really exciting like thing that was supposed to launch in August, but didn't happen because of the whole coronavirus. Mm. Yeah. Um, but we are planning a um, science placement project that hopefully can, take, can start next year, where we essentially hope to place, say, from three to A levels or STPM students in, a, in research institutes across Malaysia, mm. be it private or um, uh, public, and then kind of give them a two to three weeks kind of research experience, hands-on hands -on experience in the lab, um, and get them to know like what you really feels like to do research or and hopefully it can also help guide them towards choosing a undergraduate like degree that they would feel comfortable yeah, that in. That would really, really help. Yeah, because I think that's really lacking in Malaysia. Like a lot of mm -hmm. the people we talked to, like they had no idea what research is until their final year project <laughs> and they all were yeah. like, oh, I wish I knew a bit earlier, this and that. So hopefully we can bring it to them a bit earlier. Mm. We've also been playing around with some ideas about other ways of conveying these stories. Um, I think people really like the stories, and I think there are. I may think of like animation or you know, possibly you know, like different you know, like methods of conveying stories. So we're definitely trying to you know, like shake things up a bit and you know, like make it more engaging. So mm. you know, look out for that. <laughs> Big things coming up. Yeah, and com coming soon, we're, we're also, um, we've also already looked into expanding the team. So uh, mm. a couple of our friends have joined us uh, on, on oh, board okay. as well. And really, I mean, the good thing about uh, um, this whole project is that it's somewhat got a community following in the sense that uh, mm. of like young researchers or like even um, um, just the general public. So there's a, there's a traction going on. And whoever wants to join us and take up the challenge and um, shape this thing to whatever it could be, um, feel free to reach out to us and all of that. Because, yeah, it's basically a community-led project. It's somewhat of a, like a small passion project of ours and it turned out to be something that we did not expect. So um, mm. we quite enjoy the process of um, letting it be what it takes, whatever shapes it, shape it takes in the mm -hmm. future. Um, as long as it aligns to what our teams are really um, the main goals, then we're happy to see it grow. We're very open to ideas. So like, you know, just shoot us a DM or lines. How, how, how would people reach you? Just, just plug, plug 100 Scientists on Malaysia for a while. To those listeners out there, here's Sarah yes. telling you how, okay, how, how would you wish them. <laughs> 
We are on Facebook at 100 Scientists of Malaysia, Instagram 100.Scientists of Malaysia, and Twitter at underscore 100 SOM. Um, we also have a Ko-fi page, we, we, which we just recently um, set up. So if you kind of really like our work and want to support us, you can always buy us a coffee. Um, in that case, that means giving us a small donation. That would help us grow and like support our upcoming projects. Um, totally up to you if you want to. Um, yeah, I think that's it for now. But we are planning big things. So definitely stay like, follow. We don't have a subscribe, but like and follow us. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> to those listening, be sure to like and follow. And so I think we, there, there's a time limit on this. So as, just as a way to end, I think it's nice to know what's next for you guys in particular, like for you guys personally. Well, I'm thinking of hey, going back to Malaysia to work after my PhD is over. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be nice, you know, like um, I've, you know, like it's, I always felt like the UK wasn't where I wanted to settle down at. And, you know, I've always wanted to try to contribute to the industry or like the institutions in Malaysia. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, hopefully I'll find a place for Yeah. Um, I mean, between now and finishing up the PhD is still a, a, a bit to go, like uh, uh, still some hurdles to pass through. So I'm very focused on uh, going and achieve as much um, I ca- as I can over this um, last leg of my PhD, um, see what I can do with uh, my line of work. And I'm keeping an open, open mind as to what, what I'll do mm-hmm. next, but hopefully I'll stay in academia if the opportunity allows. I am finishing up my PhD, so I would have been finished in the lab this month if it wasn't for my extension because of COVID. So I have about, I'm going to be in the lab till probably December if things Mm -hmm. um, go according to plan. I am planning to stay in academia because I enjoy like the freedom and the challenge of it. But as to where I will end up in the future, I really, I really have no idea. And I think like what I've learned over the past couple of months is that things don't always work out the way you imagine it to. That's true. Um, so I'm just going to take it one day at a time, one month at a time really and see, apply for all the opportunities I have. And that's one advice I'll give everyone out there as well. Like whatever opportunities out there, just go for it. Because if it, someone told me this, like if it scares you, it's good because that means you really want it. So if there's mm-hmm. something that scares you, go for it. Just apply for everything. You can reject the opportunities that come later. And Joshua clapping in the background, by the way, <laughs> to those listeners <laughs> who can't see. <laughs> so yeah, just just do what you want to do. It doesn't hurt anyone in the process. Got it. It just it just helps you really. So we'll see what happens. Next okay, year. so yeah, that's about it. So good luck in your future, and thank you so much for this for, for being thanks, in this Julie. podcast. Oh, thanks for having us. Yep, yeah, thanks, Julian. Thank you for tuning in to the Beyond the Lab podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did making it. So stay tuned for the next one.